and welcome to the Brookwood High School Ministry Podcast. This week, we are continuing in our series, Parables, with the story Jesus told of the wedding feast. Scripture for this week's message can be found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Jesus, Lord of all, has invited us to his wedding feast. However, we can only come on his terms. Let's listen in as we are encouraged by this wonderful parable. Now, here is Pastor Kevin Nunnery. Well, I am excited to be here with you. I want you to know I drove straight from the beach in North Carolina uh, just to be here with you this afternoon. I love the beach, but I love you more. So does anybody believe that? Well, it's true. So uh, <laughs> we're going to be uh, continuing our parables series tonight. If you have not grabbed a Bible from the back or a handout, I want to encourage you to do that. Hey, for real, if you don't have a Bible, uh, you don't have one on your phone, you didn't pick one up on your way in tonight in particular, I would love for you to just have a copy of God's word in your hands. Every night would be great, but tonight in particular, uh, as you'll see as we get into our time of teaching. So uh, move now if you'd like to do that, and uh, we'll utilize that in just a few minutes. Who here loves to receive an invitation? Okay, who here would rather no one invite you to anything ever again? All right, Cole Crossland right in the back. Uh, you can love him, but don't invite him. That's, that's a thing. Uh, <clears throat> many of you raised your hand that you like to be invited places. And certainly if you have ever not been invited and you know that a bunch of your friends have been invited, uh, that does not feel good, right? Like it, to be excluded and sometimes it feels like on purpose does not feel good. But invitations, they just hit different at different periods in your life. So let's kind of walk through some different periods of your life and some invitations. So when you're little and you get invited to a birthday party, this is go time, all right? There's gonna be cake, there's gonna be ice cream, there's probably gonna be games. Maybe there's gonna be a clown, depending on how you feel about them, or ponies. Are there still clowns or ponies at birthday parties anymore? Well, birthday parties are super lame now, so there's that. But when you're, when you're a kid and you get invited to a birthday party, it's so exciting because you know like you're going to be with people your own age and you're going to get sugared out of your mind and it's going to be a good time. Now, watch this. Watch this. When you get older and you have kids of your own and you get invited to a kid's birthday party, it's a whole different ball game, okay? Like we love you. Man, adults are not probably super jazzed about coming to a kid's birthday party. And they might not tell you that because they love you, but I love you enough to tell you sometimes adults are not jazzed about going to a kid's birthday party, especially in the fall when they tend to fall during very important games. That's a whole, that's a whole other thing. All right, let's fast forward to kind of your age. To me, this next one I think is super weird. And if you have participated in this, I would just love for you to tell me and help me understand being invited to prom. It's a very different thing in your day than it was in mine. In my day, hey, do you want to go to prom? Yes. Okay. Bam. We did it. Now y'all are out here tying balloons to houses. My favorite one, but it was a very low quality image, was a dude dressed up as a chicken nugget in a bathtub full of chicken nuggets. And I don't even remember what the stupid little turn of phrase was, but I just thought if someone ever dresses up as a chicken nugget to invite me to anything, I'm not going. Like, even if it's like, hey, bro, you want to eat some nuggets? No, you've made it really weird. 
You can find all kinds of weird promposals online. I think this is a weird invitation. Hey, if you have participated, either you initiated said invitation to prom or you accepted or maybe rejected a promposal, could you just slip a hand up? I want to talk to you later. Anybody? See, I've shamed you and now no one will say it. That's okay. Find me later. And just help me understand, like, why? That's literally my only question. Why? Uh, Weird. Uh, You get a little bit older. You start get this type of invitation to a wedding. Who, who here has been invited to a wedding? All right. You might have felt very pinkies out fancy like they invited me to their wedding. Here's a secret. They just wanted you to buy them a gift. Okay. That's all it's about. I, that, that's a joke. That's a joke. But again, when you're younger and you get invited to a wedding, man, it's a good vibe. You get a little bit older and it's like, man, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's a big deal. It, have any of you been in a wedding? You've been in a wedding party. Golly, y'all are some popular folks. You've been in the wedding party. Okay, interesting. Uh, can, I, can I give you life advice? Can we have life advice with Kevin? For, here, look, I'll pull up a chair like Mr. Rogers. Hey, look, watch this. One day, if you get married and you're going to invite someone to be in your wedding party, it's so cute, and there's all kinds of little cute invitations for that, and that you get little knick-knack gifts. This has nothing to do with the Bible, so like, you're like, where is he going with this? Nowhere, just listen. Help a brother out, help a sister out. If you're going to invite somebody to be in your wedding, don't put the financial burden on them. Hey, bro, be in my wedding. I love you. Ah, cool, dog. I'm going to need you to rent this $300 tux. Oh, hey, girl, would you be in my wedding? Cool. I want you to buy this really ugly dress that you will never, ever wear again. Okay? If you want to financially bless them, provide the garment. You got me? You tracking with me? You're like, that literally doesn't have anything to do with the Bible. It really doesn't, but it kind of will when we get to our story in just a minute. That was just, as a person who has been in 17 weddings, 17. Yeah, I used to be kind of popular too. Uh, hey, man, you want to be in our wedding? Cool, cool. Uh, provide the garment. That was, that was just a bonus. We're going to talk about an invitation to a wedding tonight. And hey, just as a shout out, just as a shout out, if you get married one day, and you're looking for a minister, I am here for you. This is a full service ministry. would love to talk with you about that. And even if you're still just looking, anybody want to raise their hand for that? Like you're single, ready to mingle. The school year has started. You're keeping your prospects open. Anybody? Nobody. I did see a lot of this. I saw some eyes cutting side to side like, yo, okay. Um, if you've got your Bibles tonight, we're going to be in Matthew 22. You think I'm joking. I've performed a number of weddings for former students. I've got two more coming up next year. So I'm here for you. I will get you in and out of that ceremony, lightning quick. Matthew 22 is where we're going to be tonight. Go ahead and turn there. If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn there. I need you to physically be in the scripture or scroll there, Matthew 22. Uh, If you've got a handout, we'll have some blanks that we'll fill in as we go. And before we even jump into Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14, I want you to catch this. This is number one. Context is crucial. Context is crucial. As you are reading your Bible, which is something I hope you are doing outside of this like hour long block on a Sunday afternoon. I will not ask you to raise your hand for that one. But like if you're confused and frustrated why your walk with Jesus is not growing, but you don't read your Bible. uh, That's that's part of why. Like it's pretty simple. Like, you know, like, man, I don't know why I can't get in shape. You don't exercise. Just be real. You like to sit on the couch and scroll and play video games. I don't know why I'm not spiritually in shape. You're not exercising. You need to read your Bible. Everybody look at me. Look at me. Read your Bible on your own. Please. Thank you. I'll stop shouting. Um, 
But when you read your Bible, context is crucial because sometimes we pick up our Bible, we start reading and we're like, I have no idea what's going on here. The context is crucial. Before we get into our story tonight in Matthew 22, which if you've got a house Bible is on page 792, you need to turn back a page. Matthew 21. I don't put this on the screen for you tonight, but I want you to understand what is happening as we're going to hear this parable that Jesus is going to tell. Matthew 21 begins with the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. So he comes in. If you're not familiar, everybody is pumped for Jesus to be there. They are shouting, they are clapping, they are praising, they're inviting him to come and save people. They don't fully understand who Jesus is, but it begins with this triumphant entry and they're excited about Jesus. And the first thing he does after that is he clears the temple. People are much less excited at that point because Jesus is coming in flipping tables. He's making a whip out of rope and he's driving out the money changers. And you're like, man, that sounds like angry Jesus. He was angry. And you're like, wait a minute. Jesus was angry? He was. If you, like me, struggle with anger, you can do a couple things. One, you can start to study some anger verses. You might even get one tattooed on your body. Or two, you can start to do some biblical research on anger. Jesus was angry because these people were disrespecting his father. And so if you want to read on your own this week for some homework, he clears out the temple. And it says that later his followers remembered that the passion and zeal that Jesus had for his father's house would consume him. So everybody's pumped. And then people are kind of confused and less pumped. And then Jesus tells a couple of other parables in Matthew 21 that really do lead into and inform what we're going to read tonight. He tells the parable of two sons. You can see that after he curses the fig tree. This starts in Matthew 21, 28. Uh, basically, what Jesus is, is saying is there are two sons, one who says, I'll do what you say, but then doesn't. And then another son who says, I'm not going to do what you say, but then ultimately they do. And he's asking these religious leaders, which person, which son actually was obedient. And he is challenging the religious leaders. He's basically saying, you are hypocrites and liars. You say one thing, but you do another. Some of us feel the weight of that because we might say one thing and then do another. It's a tense moment. And then Jesus follows up that first punch with the second one, he tells this parable of the evil farmers. And, and in this story, uh, these farmers are representative, again, of these religious leaders. And Jesus is dunking on these guys. I mean, he is giving them the business. And they fully understand what Jesus is saying and why he is saying it. And they don't really like it. In fact, if you look at the end of Matthew 21, looking at verse 45, when the leading priests and Pharisees heard this parable, they realized he's telling the story against them, that they were the wicked farmers. What did they do? Did they repent? Did they turn to Jesus and say, you were right, we were wrong? Nope. Verse 46, they wanted to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowds who considered Jesus to be a prophet. At this point, their dreams of getting Jesus really start to morph into plans. They start throwing it into an extra gear because they cannot stand that Jesus is calling them on their stuff. And that is the context that we're stepping into with this story in Matthew 22. Jesus didn't just tell these stories so that people would invite him to parties because he was a good storyteller. Some of you are like that. You're great storytellers. You are fun to be around. You are the life of the party, a series that Chris Birch seems to have been in for like the last three months in middle school. Uh, some of you are party starters and you're awesome. I just came back from the beach with my buddies. 
I have been friends with these guys for 20 years. It is always a party wherever we go. I love being with them. But that's not why Jesus is telling these stories. There's a purpose and there's a lesson for the people who heard it then and for us tonight. So let's jump in and start understanding a little bit about this parable of the wedding feast. Matthew 22, verses 1 through 3, Jesus also told them other parables. He said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. You have to understand something. Again, context is crucial. There's some historical context that maybe you don't fully understand about a wedding back then versus a wedding now. You go to a wedding now, we're talking a couple hours, right? It's a good time. We probably do a little awkward cha-cha slide, have some cake, go home. A wedding back then... When they threw down, they threw down for days. Sometimes these would be a week-long affair. If you're familiar with the first miracle of Jesus where he turns the water into wine, do you know where he was? He was at a wedding. And they had run out of wine. You know how they ran out of wine? They had been partying for days. And Jesus breaks out the good stuff. You can go read about that on your own time. So in this hypothetical story, it's a parable, says this king has a wedding feast that is getting ready and he has invited these people. And so he sends for them, says, hey, it's time, it's go time, we're gonna have this wedding. But they all refuse to come. That's kind of rude to not come to something that, that you've been invited to. Now, sometimes there are reasons that happens, but we're gonna get a little more context as we keep reading the story. So the king, he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared. The bulls and the fattened cattle have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. This has jumped up a notch. This is no longer checking no on an RSVP. This is, I don't like that you've invited me again, so now I'm gonna murder your servant. Have you ever heard the expression, don't shoot the messenger? That's what's happening, but not with guns because they didn't have those. This is a wild story. It has taken a real sharp turn. And what has really happened here is these people have prioritized their own stuff over the invitation of the king. The king who rules over these people has invited them in to a celebration of his son. And what they've said is, I've got better things to do. It says one goes back to his farm, another to his business. Now, we all understand that a king rules and reigns. And when the king invites you, it's, a, it's an ask, but really he's telling you, you need to come to this. This is my son and we're going to celebrate him. But they don't do it. And on top of not doing it, they decide we're going to kill these guys who have even come to tell us about it. Now, if you're sharp and you know some biblical history, you see the parallel here. Jesus, in telling this story, is talking about God's people through history who have refused the invitation of his father. He sent his messengers, the prophets, which you can go and study about in the Old Testament, and they were insulted. Most of them never saw their ministries fully realized. They were laughed at, mocked, derided, cast out, and some of them were even killed for their message from the king. And we go, man, that's pretty jacked up. Jesus is talking about the past. He's also talking about you and me because we have a king and he does invite us to celebrate his son. 
but you're too busy about your business. You've got other things you'd rather do. And so you check no on the RSVP to what God has invited you to. Some of us in this room, we have reduced following Christ to being here for a couple hours on a Sunday and you check it off your list and you think you're good. And what you are invited into is so much better, so much more rich and full, but you're too busy with your own stuff. Whatever you're spending the most time on is what's most important to you. And you're like, well, I sleep eight or nine hours a night. Okay, touche. You need that sleep, that's good. Your waking hours, what are you spending the most time on? School, okay, I get it, it's compulsory, you have to go to school. When you have free time, how are you spending it? Where you invest your time, your effort, your energy, that's what's most important to you. And I just believe, honestly, even amongst us adults, there are some of us in this room where Jesus is not the most important thing in our life. And you maybe don't see yourself killing God's messengers, but you certainly are ignoring what he's inviting you to. Let's get back to the story. Verse seven, the king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. Some of these stories are grim, man. Like you're like, man, Jesus is love and light and, and redemption. You're right. Jesus is also justice and truth and righteousness. And he is no more these things than he is these things. So sometimes these stories are like, that doesn't feel great. And I know that, but it's true. This king who was in charge had every right to do this to these people. Doesn't feel good, but the story's not over. We keep going. He said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. They've also been destroyed by his army, but that's neither here nor there. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. Here's what happens. The king is like, we're not about to have an empty room for my son's wedding. So go just invite anybody you see. They're hanging out. They're not busy. They're not doing anything. Bring them in. Fill up the seats. Let's have a celebration. Let's have a party. A party's not really a party if it's just like a couple people, right? That's great. Where two or three are gathered, the Holy Spirit is certainly there in their midst. But King says, I want it to be full. Let's have a party. Go find anybody that you can find and bring them in. Now, once again, there is a context here that's easy to overlook. The Jews, the Israelites, were God's chosen people. And a lot of them missed it. And so what happens is ultimately Gentiles, you're like, who's a Gentile? You are, okay? You and me. People who are not Israelites, we are Gentiles and we are invited in. That's good news. It's good news for you. It's good news for me. Number two on your hand, I want you to write this. I am invited. I am invited. That invitation is not just for the person next to you who really always seems to have their stuff together. A, they probably don't. B, it's for you too. You are invited in. In this story, the king says, go find them, good or bad. They are invited. The invitation stands ready for you. Maybe you have been the person who's not been invited before. When everybody in your class or everybody in your friend group goes and does that thing and you get left out. That hurts. I've been there. I did not have a lot of friends growing up. And when I would hear about people going and doing stuff and I conspicuously was left out, I'll be honest, there were some tears over that. It doesn't feel good to be purposely left out. And there are a number of you in this room who know that pain. 
there are also some of you in this room who have done that to people, and I would challenge you to repent and include people and invite people, but that's a separate conversation. The good news of the gospel is that we are all invited, good and bad alike, regardless of how holy you might seem on a Sunday in service, you are invited. That is good news. The story continues, and, and again, some of this might seem grim, but let's understand what's happening. Verse 11, when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. And then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Once again, things have jumped up a notch. Now just imagine for a second, if you can, it's your special day. Those of you who want to get married. If you don't want to get married, you've been given the gift of celibacy and singleness. Bless you. That's awesome. I'm happy for you. But if you want to get married one day and you're walking down that aisle, ladies, or you're standing at the front, fellas, and you see somebody at your wedding wearing some ratty, nasty, holy sweatpants and their dirty stain tank top, you can be feeling good about that. Probably not. The most casual weddings I have ever been to, I ain't never seen anybody wearing their pajamas to the wedding. And I'm not saying it's exactly that, but whatever this guy was wearing, wasn't it. Now, this is debated amongst theologians, and theologians love to debate. I'm going to tell you, one of these two things is true. It doesn't really matter. Some theologians and historians believe that in the ancient Near East. They would provide for you wedding garments. I told you at the beginning, if you're going to have a wedding, you're going to ask somebody to be in it, provide the garment. There are some who believe they actually did that. They would give them a very simple white robe, and you're thinking, only the bride wears white on her wedding day. I know it was different, okay? Just stay with me. Everybody would be given the garment. And so if the king gave it to you, and you chose to not wear it to the wedding, and you're going to come and do your own thing, that is kind of jacked up. Now, there are some who go, no, that wasn't always the case. That was more of a Greek thing. It wasn't always something that was happening here. Even at that, there would still be an expectation that you come dressed in an appropriate manner. This guy was not. Whichever is true, it doesn't actually matter. We just know the king comes in and says, hey, man, this isn't it. Help me understand what's going on. And he doesn't have a reply. To me, I think we can look at this and understand this guy, he just didn't care. He did not care. Now, most of us would not ever say out loud, I don't care. But in truth, a lot of time, the reason for you doing or not doing something is you just don't care. We like to do things on our own terms. You would never say this out loud, but the most important person to you most of the time is you. You're going to do what you want, how you want, when you want, because you have become your own God. And that is not how things work in relationship with Jesus. I want you to see this last fill in. I must come on his terms. I must come on his terms. We live in an age of relativism. What that means is people say, whatever works for you, hey, that's great for you. You do you. I'm going to do what I want to do. And so you do your thing, I'll do mine, and we'll just coexist in harmony and leave each other alone. Whatever's true for you is true for you. Whatever's true for me is true for me. Hear me. Truth is not relative. There is an absolute truth and a standard. That's not a popular thing to say. And some of you are like, I don't even understand what you're saying. We can talk more later if you want. But here's the deal. You can't come and follow Jesus on your own terms. You can't move the goalposts and say, well, you know, it's different times today than it was back then. Some of this stuff in this ancient book is archaic. 
They wrote this thousands of years ago. They didn't understand what it was like today. My friend, you can't tell me that the king of the universe who made you didn't understand what it would be like to live today. And he sets a standard and he sets the terms. And when we come to the king, we come on his terms, not our own. What does that look like? It means that one thing you've been holding back because you're like, this isn't really hurting anybody. This is mine and I'm gonna hold on to it and I'll give Jesus 98%, but this 2% is mine. That ain't how it works. You are called to total surrender and submission to your king who is Jesus and it's difficult and it's a process and it's a journey and you're gonna get a lot wrong along the way. Thank God for grace. And the king doesn't immediately come in and throw this guy out. He comes and addresses it, but there's no reply given. You've got to come on his terms, not your own. Jesus finishes the parable with this statement, many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, few are chosen. I wrestled with this verse this week. Can, can I just confess something to you as your pastor? I don't like this verse. It makes me sad. It makes me mad. I don't, I don't theologically always feel good about it. I get emotional about it. I think about my friends and family who don't know Jesus. And it's hard. Now look at this verse that I put on your handout tonight. It's probably the most well-known verse in all the Bible, John three sixteen. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. I'd ask you to think about who can have that eternal life? Everyone who believes. The invitation is for all. But not everybody will. Chris and I talk about this a lot. Um, you guys might think about Chris Birch. He loves to tell jokes. He loves to cut up. One of the things I've heard Chris say so consistently for years is that it breaks his heart that there will come a day when we stand in heaven and some of you won't be there. And it breaks my heart too. The most important decision you will ever make in your life is how to respond to the invitation of Jesus. And some of you are too busy or you just don't care and you think you're the most important person in the world and you're not. And I promise you, I'm, I'm not trying to beat you up. I have been where you are. I am begging you to consider this invitation to believe and trust that what King Jesus has for you is better than what you could cook up for yourself. The bottom line tonight to write in that box is this. My response to Jesus matters. My response to Jesus matters. Here's what I believe based on what scripture tells us. All of us as individuals will stand before our creator. Every single one of us. And you won't stand there with your crew. You won't stand there with your family. You won't stand there next to me. I love you. If I could stand next to you one day in front of the Savior and plead your case for you, I would. That's not how it works. You will stand before Christ and you will be accountable for your actions, for your decisions, how you have answered the invitation of the king. And I would just ask you to think. In fact, do this for me. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. I'm not asking you to, to raise your hand. I'm not asking anybody to do anything wild or anything. Tonight. I want you to just close your eyes and think for one second. Think 
about being invited by King Jesus into the fullness of the life that he gives. And don't raise your hand, don't say yes or no out loud, but just in the quietness of your soul, I want you to answer this for yourself. Am I accepting the invitation of Jesus? There are some people in this room, the answer to that is yes. Hallelujah, amen, keep going. But there are some of us in this room, the answer to that question is no. You're doing your own thing and going your own way. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to man, but the end leads to death. You've been invited into something so beautiful. And if you know you've been rejecting that invitation, then I just encourage you tonight to talk to God and tell him, God, I've been doing my own thing. I've been going my own way. I want to trust you. I want to follow you. Would you help me, King Jesus? Will you accept the invitation? What a great message and a wonderful reminder that we are all invited to share in God's kingdom. This week, read through Matthew chapter 22, 1 through 14. Take some time to thank Jesus for his invitation and check on your own heart to see if you're coming on your terms or his. Until next time, become disciples who make disciples.